We're going back to James chapter 4, right after Hebrews, toward the back of your Bible. James chapter 4 and verse 13. Three mistakes you should never make. There's a lot of mistakes that you should never make, but James lists three of them. And the fact that they're listed here in the Bible means they are quite important for you and me. James chapter 4 and verse 13. Go to now, or step up and pay attention. Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For what ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I just pray that we might understand that the life that is lived to please you is the best life is the most productive life, is the most sensible life. And Lord, that we might seek to know you and trust you and live our lives aware of you. In Jesus' name, amen. You ever make a mistake? I remember one time I, I had bought a car. It was my first car. And it was... Uh, about 1961, I think, and it was a 52 Ford, and, and I liked it, and I was working with some painters. I was painting a house with another fella, and they were paying me to do that, and it, it became my responsibility to go get lunch. So I went to the A&W to get lunch, and while I was there, I got these big cartons of root beer. And I uh, had it all set there, I thought, and was on my way home and, and, uh, or back to the job. And I was driving along. I came up. There was a stop sign, see, and this guy in front of me. As I was pulling up to the stop sign with a guy in front of me, my root beer spilled. Well, it's ruining my car. So I leaned down to take care of the root beer. That was a mistake. <laughs> I ran into the car in front of me. I saved the root beer, sort of, but I ruined the car. Mistakes that we make. You know, I, I was just sick about that. But you know, there are mistakes we make that have far greater impact. They have eternal consequences that we better make sure that we're right. Sometimes I like to think about Goliath's big mistake. You know, he came at David with a sword, with a shield, with a spear, with a reputation, and a big mouth. David didn't come at him with any of those. 
He basically said, I come at you in the name of the Lord. Goliath forgot God. And because he did, it was a big mistake. And it cost him his life and his victory and everything else. I like to think about Lot's wife, who the angels were walking him and her, her and Lot and their children out of the city of Sodom and walking them out. And God said, don't look back. And just for a moment, Lot's wife forgot about what God said, looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. You can't afford to forget God. And you can't afford to make some mistakes. And James gives us three mistakes we don't want to make for sure. We don't want to mess up in these three areas. And the first one he gives us is in verse 13, where he says, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. So what's wrong with that? I mean, people make plans every day. I mean, good business people, good persons, they make plans and they make their plans. It's a wise thing to do. You are supposed to plan your work and work your plan. And this looks like a good plan to me. Look at it. When? They say, here's our plan. Here's what we're going to do. When are we going to do it? Today or tomorrow. Where are we going to do it? In such and such a city. How long? We'll spend a year there. What will we do? We'll buy and sell. We'll carry on business. Why? To make money. Now that's a good plan. If you've ever been in business for yourself, it's kind of like that for you. But the Bible doesn't condemn that. What it condemns is something else. And the first mistake you must avoid is planning without God. Planning without God. You see, in this whole thing, in this verse, there's not a single mention of God in the whole plan. He knew what he wanted. He knew how to get there. But he didn't take time to check it out with God. To consider God. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to give you any specifics. But I think this is one of the major battle areas for believers. It is for me. You know, it's possible to be a preacher and preach or teach four times a week and forget God. It's possible to be a Christian and everybody think that you're a great Christian and to make your plans without God. <coughs> the Bible does talk about planning. I'm not saying you're not supposed to plan. Jesus talked about not going out to build a house without first considering the, the cost. Proverbs tells us over and over again that if we don't plan, we're fools. He's not talking about planning. He's talking about planning without God. It's good to have dreams. It's good to have goals as long as you include God in them. It's what he didn't do. He forgot to include God. There was an article in the Reader's Digest written by a fellow by the name of Alexander Saul. And here's what he wrote. Since I have spent well nigh 
50 years working on the history of the Russian Revolution. In the process, I've collected hundreds of personal testimonies, read hundreds of books, contributed eight volumes of my own. But if I were to, if I were asked today to formulate as precisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million Russians, I could not put it any more accurately than to repeat the phrase, men have forgotten God. He said, what is more, if I were called upon to identify the principal trait of the entire 20th century, I would be unable to reflect anything more precise than this statement, men have forgotten God. That's what James is saying. You can be a believer and forget God in your daily life. I know a lot of people who say they love the Lord. They say that he's, Christ is their Savior. But when it comes to planning their business, their job, where they're going to live, their vacation, their checkbook, they are practical atheists. You know, it's sad to meet someone who says... I don't believe in God. I don't really believe he exists. I think it might even be sadder still to find someone who says, I believe he exists, but then don't act like he exists. To not make any plans and involve him. You say you believe in God? Does he have your business? Someone says, I don't believe in mixing business with faith. You better if you're a believer. We talk about for the believer, we talk about sometimes we're not careful, the, the secular and the spiritual. Listen, if you're a Christian, it's all spiritual. Every bit of it. Planning without God is practical atheism. It's practicing atheism. So what's the solution? You know what it is. Include God in your plans. James says in verse 15, For instead, you ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. If you mark in your Bible, you ought to circle that word if. If is a big word. You know? If is a big word in the Christian life. Life is quite iffy if you want to know the truth. I asked you to pray for Brother Leathers because he had had this horrendous accident and Broken his legs and his knees and his jaw and his teeth. and He's got all kinds of problems. And he was driving down the road on his side of the road, minding his own business, and somebody came across the median and hit him. And if that hadn't happened, he'd still be going down the road. Life is very iffy, isn't it? So what we ought to do, he says, is we need to make sure that we're in it with the Lord. We need to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And then we need to ask the Lord, what do you want me not to do? We need to be praying and asking God what he wants us to do. We need to take what we are attempting to do and put it against the word of God and say, you know, if God is pleased with this, then we'll go ahead. So often we are so guilty of making our plans, whatever they might be, we get all done and say, there, God... Now bless it. And we never really consulted him in the first place. 
he says, it's up to God. For hundreds of years, Christians used to write some initials at the end of a letter. D-V. D-V. Those letters stood for, I don't know if I'll pronounce it right, but Dio Valenti. Lord willing. Lord willing. When's the last time you put that at the end of your letter? Or at the end of your email letter? Lord willing. You know, there are uh, three responsible responses to God's will. The first is, you can make reference to it. You can make reference to it. You say, I admit that God has a will for my life. I acknowledge it. I make reference to it. We're all good at that. I know God has a will for my life. I know as I go through life, I just know that, that, that he's got a plan. We make reference to it. Or you can show deference to it. D-E-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, -E -E, deference. And we say, I'll defer to the will of God. Or I want God's will for my life because it's what I want. I'm making a choice. I want God's will for my life because that's what I want. Or you can show preference for it. I want God's will for my life because it's what he wants. If you can get the eye out of the way, you'll have a lot more success in life. When it comes to God's will, maybe you know it, maybe you believe in it. Maybe you say, yeah, I want that for my life because I think I'll come out better for it. Or maybe we ought to be saying, I want God's will for my life because I know that he knows a lot more than I do and he knows what's best for me and I want it because he wants it for me. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We need to stop praying, God bless what I'm doing, and pray, God help me to start doing what you're blessing. That's what we need. Instead of saying, God bless what I'm doing, Lord help me to know what to do wherever you're working so that I can get where you're blessing. Get in his way. That's the first mistake, planning without God. The second mistake you must avoid is presuming, presuming about tomorrow. Taking life for granted. Just assuming that I'm going to live forever, that I'm not going to be the one that's going to die. Oh, that's crazy, isn't it? I believe. I'm going to die. Not today, though. And not tomorrow. And probably not, let's see, 59. Uh, I probably got another 40 years, don't you think? <laughs> you guys are laughing. I don't like that laugh. <laughs> you know what? We shouldn't presume about tomorrow. James says in verse 14, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, 
For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And then in verse 16 he says, But now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. What's he saying? You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know when your life will be done. You just need to understand your life is a lot shorter than you think it is. He talks about it being a mist. You know, he talks about being something that is here today and gone tomorrow. I think of my friend, Dr. Ralph Turk, going home to be with the Lord. Folks, he had a heart attack. So he goes in the hospital. I shouldn't say this, Jerry, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> uh, but he goes in the hospital, and he has surgery. Great surgery, triple bypass. And he comes out of surgery, and he's just doing well, and he's all excited about, you know, I'm going to get back to the seminary, and I'm going to start teaching again. But there's only one little thing happened. He picked up a little staph infection. And that's why he died. Now, first of all, he died in God's time. But he was expecting to go back to class and teach. But that wasn't in God's plan, you see. Presuming upon tomorrow we don't want to do, we need to be so careful. You know not. Here's a couple reasons we shouldn't presume about tomorrow. One is life is unpredictable. He says, you, you know not. You don't even know. We need to understand that. Have you ever tried to think of all the things that could happen? Pfft. You know, I can eat my wife's cooking and croak, you know. I... Uh-oh, I'm in trouble on that one. I know you know that wouldn't happen. I look too good. But you never know. You could go to the restaurant and get something. You know, you could swallow a bug the wrong way. You could get out on the highway and some crazy person decide that, that you, it's your time. You, you never know what could happen. You're in business. You could go broke in a week. It's just amazing the things that can happen. Life is unpredictable. You don't know what's around the next corner. You don't know what's coming tomorrow. You don't know what's coming next week. So we ought not to presume about tomorrow. Not only that, James tells us, your life is brief. Your life is a vapor. You are, your life is a mist. It's like a fog. Oh, that's not what it means. No. <laughs> a lot of us live in a fog. But your life is like a fog. It's here in the morning. It's gone at noon. How does the Bible describe your life? It says your life is like a leaf, a grass, a flower, a shadow, a cloud, a vapor. We are all only one heartbeat away from eternity. So we ought not to presume upon tomorrow without God. I always like the way that 
that uh, Spurgeon said it. He said, I am not amazed that people die. I'm amazed that they live. Because there are a thousand and one ways they can die, but we only live by the grace of God. You see. I don't know how long your life is. I think of it as sort of like this. Diapers, dignity, de decay. It's all over. Diapers, dignity. I should put diapers in there again, by the way. <laughs> Diaper. <laughs> do not boast, it says in Proverbs, about tomorrow. For you do not know what a day may bring forth. What's the solution? Live one day at a time. Matthew 6.34 says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Here's what that's really saying. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of tomorrow. Live one day at a time. The psalmist says, My times are in your hands, Lord. Don't make the mistake of planning without God. And don't make the mistake of presuming about tomorrow. We need to be so careful. David said in Psalm 35, 15, Lord, my days are in your hands. The third mistake you must avoid is putting off doing good. Putting off doing good. He says in James 4, 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Or the NIV reads like this, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. James is talking about procrastination. You know, the someday I'll thing. I came across this, I like it. Procrastination is my sin. It only caused me sorrow. I know I ought to change my ways. In fact, I will tomorrow. <laughs> How do you define sin anyway? When we think of sin, we think, oh man, murder, adultery, cheating, lying, stealing. These are sins of commission, commission, sins we commit. But there's another kind of sin written in this verse, and it is the sin of omission. To him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it is sin. Guess what? You can be doing absolutely nothing and be living in sin. One of these days, I'm going to get serious about God. One of these days, I'm going to start praying. One of these days, I'm going to get faithful in church. One of these days, I'm going to talk to my neighbor. Listen, sometimes that is sin. We ought to be doing it. I know, I got you all on that one. What's the solution? What do you think? Do it now. Do it now. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 reads like this. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow, when you have it with you. You know, there are three things you can do with your life. 
You can waste it. <laughs> There's a lot of ways to waste your life. You can waste it in front of the TV. You can waste it on videos. You can waste it on the golf course. Oh, whoops. Um, <laughs> you, you, you can waste your time. You can waste your money. You can waste your life like the prodigal son. So you can waste it. Or you can spend it. By that I mean you can spend all of your life doing things to acquire things so that you have more toys than anybody else when you die. And you just keep trying to acquire more and more and bigger houses and bigger cars and on and on the list goes. You can spend it. Or you can invest it. You know the best thing to do with your life? Invest it in something that's going to outlast it. You know? So what's going to last forever? The word of God and people. People will last for an eternity. They will spend an eternity in one of two places. Either in heaven or in hell. In the presence of God enjoying peace and joy forever. Or in hell going through condemnation and punishment and damnation forever. People will last for eternity. And how you spend your time now may determine how someone else spends eternity. Wow. We got some big responsibility. We need to lay some treasure up in heaven. We need to send some folks on to heaven. Somehow or another, we need to do that. We need to do that by our giving in the church, by our involvement in the church, by our ministry in the church, by our talking to people, by the way we live. We need to be sending up treasures into heaven. So why not invest your life in things that last? We, we worry about duration, time, how long we're going to live. God worries about investment or what we do with that. Remember the story that Jesus told about the talents and how each one received so many talents and, and the one servant received one talent. And he, was, he, he took his talent and he buried it so that when the master returned, he would, wouldn't have lost it. And the master said uh, he buried it he took that talent, he took that what you had, he buried it. And the master came back and he said, you wicked servant, at least you could have invested my money in the bank, but you buried it. He said, you wicked servant. What had he done? Nothing. Nothing. When's the best time, my friend, for you to put your trust in the Lord and start walking with him? Jesus told a parable that tells that to us. And I'm going to read the parable to you from Luke chapter 12. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought with himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. 
And he said, this I will I do. I will, put down, I will pull down my barns. I will build greater barns. And there will I store all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, thou fool, this night is thy, shall thy soul, soul be required of thee. Then whose will those things be which thou hast provided? Then the Lord Jesus Christ said, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. You know what? Now's the time. Now's the day. You know, have you made plans for the future? You know, you mark your calendar. Maybe I'm going to retire on such and such a day and then we're going to sell our house and then we're going to move and we're going to go and do this and that. And, 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 have we, and then we get all done and we say, Lord, please bless it. Let me ask you some questions. Have you considered God in your life? Have you talked about God to God about your retirement? Have you talked about to God about your plan to go to school, you know? Have you just prayed and talked to him about it and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Have you talked about to God about your plans to get married? Or about your business? Or about a career change? You know what we want to do is we want to consult God. We want to plan with God in mind so that we will plan to please him. It's so easy to plan without God. It's so easy to presume about tomorrow. It's so easy to put off doing good. But let me tell you a mistake worse than all of these. And that mistake is to reject the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. To reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. The question I have for you is, will you trust him as your Savior today? And then for those of you who are saved, I think James is telling us we need to take a good, serious look at our life and what we're doing and what is really worthwhile doing and how that we need to be thinking about God. Not, you know, it's so easy to sit down to the dinner table and pray, you know. I remember Kelly always praying and he'd say, and then in Jesus pray we name, amen. And he'd do that at dinner table. We didn't correct him, we just kind of enjoyed it. But uh, in, in Jesus pray we name, amen. You know what, he was doing that, but aren't we all capable of doing something just like that? Get the words out of the way. Not even think about God. Maybe when we pray, we ought to stop and pause for a few minutes and think and meditate and think about who we're talking to and think about what we're about to say. But the one thing we ought not to do is live without God. With Christ as our Savior, with Christ as our Lord. Would you stand with me?
Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, you know where each one of us is at. Lord, you know how well we walk with you and how we don't. Lord, you know where we forget, where we presume, and where we fail. And so, Lord, I ask you to search our hearts and convict us that we might change, that we might be converted. But, Lord, also, I pray for that person who is here, who is without Christ, who's never been saved, who's been trying to live his or her life without the Lord all their life. I pray, Lord, that they would come to you, come to know Christ as their personal Savior. I pray that they would be willing to step out and, and Lord, come forward as you are speaking to their hearts and put their trust in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn at this time, and as we sing it, I pray that if there's something that you need to talk to the Lord about or pray about or present to him, I invite you to come to the front here and pray. Uh, if you're here and, and you're not a Christian and you've been putting it off and you've been living all your life without God, I invite you to come take my hand and say to me, Pastor, I want God in my life. I'll show you how you can do that. Okay? Hymn number 431. 431. I need thee every hour. and just sing that chorus. Don will lead us in it. Just sing it as a personal prayer, okay? I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. And all God's people said, Amen.